What's the name of your podcast? Psychosis. Like, psychosis, because we're sisters. Welcome back to Psychosis. This is Mary. And I'm Kimberly. And Happy New Year. Happy 2024. We hope everybody had a fun and safe New Year's Eve. So exciting. Do you have any resolutions, Kim? I don't. You know, every year I make them and then I forget probably two months in. What about you? Same. Yeah. It would be nice to follow through with one, but probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So like, why set yourself up for failure? No, exactly. Or disappointment. There you go. 2023 went by so fast. Don't you agree? No, I completely agree. It feels like it's still here. Definitely. I guess we'll go ahead and hop right into the case. What case are you going to bring us for New Year's Day? I have the murder of Stuart Tay. I have not heard of this case, but I am looking forward to learning about it. All right, here we go. So Stuart Anthony Tay was born December 8th, 1975. His family was originally from Singapore. Stuart Anthony Tay was born December 8th, 1975. His family was originally from Singapore, but they immigrated to the United States and ended up settling in Orange County, California. So this is a case by you, actually. Ooh, do you know what city? Everybody in this case, it looks like, was from Fullerton. Okay, yeah, that's pretty close. So Stewart was a student at Foothill High School, which is in Santa Ana, and was 17 at the time of the crime and had plans of attending Princeton the following year. He told his teachers that he wanted to be a doctor just like his father. Stewart lived in a custom-built 11-bedroom house with a swimming pool and tennis court in Orange with his family. Wow. Okay. So you had me at Princeton, and then you really had me at 11-bedroom house? Yeah. I mean, definitely um, living the good life. Yeah, that sounds amazing. This case also involves 18-year-old Robert Chen Nan Chan. Like Stewart, Robert was a stellar student. He was someone other parents talked about as a student their kids should be like. I believe his father was also a doctor, and his choice of colleges were also Ivy League schools. Robert lived in the affluent Sunny Hills area in northwestern Fullerton. So they definitely lived a very wealthy lifestyle, these kids. Yeah, it sounds like it. Although both boys lived very straight edge lives, they desperately yearned for a life that was more exciting, even if it was made up. They had actually met at an academic decathlon and exchanged phone numbers and began to talk on the phone. Stewart sold himself as a crime boss named Martin Gore with more than 100 loyal followers and an ability to pirate computer programs, driver's licenses, and credit cards. He also bragged about having 
access to high-powered explosives and provided a fake address and age. To add, Stewart's favorite group was Depeche Mode and Martin Gore was the name of the keyboard player. So that's where the name came from. And his family later confirmed that he would use the name in social settings kind of as a joke, as like an alter ego. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I mean, this is before social media. So I guess you couldn't really go and cross-reference if Martin Gore was who he said he was. Yeah, there was no fact-checking. There was no fact-checking. Although Robert was skeptical of Stewart's outlandish claims, he countered with his own connections to the crime underworld in Orange County. And it looked like he was saying he had ties to sort of the mafia of some sort. Wow, there's a lot happening in Orange right now, huh? I feel like all of these cases, they always use the mafia of some sort. I I feel like we've covered maybe one or two cases where they thought the mafia was involved. So this is on brand. So anyhow... Together, they plotted to rob an Anaheim computer parts dealer by forcing their way into his home, tying up his family, and leaving with the valuable goods that they could then resell. So this seemed like a very extreme polar opposite of how they normally are as kids, and it just seemed like they wanted to play this, like, game. Yeah, like, almost completely opposite of the way that they grew up and are growing up and they just wanted to like rebel right over the next few weeks they recruited 16 year old kern young kim 17 year old mun bong king 17 year old charles bay cho these four were all from fullerton and abraham acosta who was 16 was from buena park but they all went to sunny hills high school As the only one not attending Sunny Hills High, Stewart remained somewhat of a mystery to the group. Robert assured the legitimacy of Stewart's claims to the others in the group, but deep down he was starting to doubt his stories too. I mean, they did meet at an academic decathlon after all, so it's not like it's a hub of crime there. No, not at all. It's like the last place I would expect a hub of crime to be occurring. So... When Stewart dropped his wallet during a group meeting, his true identity was revealed. Robert's doubts turned into rage, and a simple mistake of dropping his wallet had now set into motion plans for his murder. Oh, okay. On New Year's Eve 1992, the perpetrators set the scene in the backyard of Abraham Acosta's house in Buena Park. They had actually made preparations before the murder, having dug a grave 24 hours prior and holding rehearsals on how to run through the murder using gloves to avoid evidence being left behind and basically who would be taking care of what role, look out the person hitting the person, getting rid of evidence. They each had a job. Jesus Christ, can could you imagine like a rehearsal for somebody's murder that sounds terrifying uh yeah i mean it definitely at some point there's like five guys at no point was somebody just like hey maybe not a great idea maybe we shouldn't do this so they lured stewart to the home under the pretense of him checking out a gun that they were going to sell him while kern acted as a lookout 
Robert and Abraham ambushed Stewart, hitting him with a baseball bat and a sledgehammer. Robert landed more than a dozen strikes to the back of his head. However, he did not immediately die. Munn and Charles, waiting in the other room, heard Stewart scream and ask, what did I do to you? Robert, apparently angered that he was still alive after a 20-minute beating, poured rubbing alcohol down his throat and forced his mouth shut with duct tape. Stewart died within minutes from his own vomit. Oh my God, poor guy. I know. After he died, Abraham wrapped the body in bedsheets and Stewart was buried in a grave in his backyard. Abraham then freaked out due to all the blood all over his garage and quickly tried to hose it down. Well, uh, yeah. The boys then split the money that was in Stewart's wallet, a whole $108. Oh, big ballers. And then Kern drove Stewart's car to Compton, left it running and unlocked to give the impression that he had been carjacked. Oh my gosh. By 9 p.m., the Tays had began to worry and called their son's friends looking for him. And just an hour later, the police had found his stripped car in an alley. So it only took an hour for the car being left on in Compton to be stripped. Wow. I mean, I'm not really surprised, but that's really sad. But by this time, the teenagers had gone their separate ways. Robert and Charles rang in the new year party hopping. Kern went to his house and played computer games all night. And Abraham went to Knott's Berry Farm. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, I mean, for those of you that don't know what Knott's Berry Farm is, it's an amusement park. So he killed someone and then he went to an amusement park to ride roller coasters. That is disgusting. And no word on what Mun did, but I can't imagine that it was any better than any of their other activities after the fact. Yeah, no better than uh, partying and riding roller coasters. Thanks to Stewart's family hiring a private investigator, the five were arrested within days. And Stewart's body was eventually found at the Acosta residence. Orange County authorities stated that Stewart's death occurred due to asphyxiation on vomit. Authorities argued that this was most likely due to the head injuries and that taping his mouth and nose shut may have just quickened his death. But I'd imagine drinking rubbing alcohol would definitely make you throw up also. So it was literally as you were reading the cause, I was thinking, yeah, I'm sure the rubbing alcohol played a huge part in that. Just the thought of somebody pouring a rubbing alcohol down my throat makes me want to throw up. I mean, I can't handle a shot of drinking alcohol without without throwing up. So imagine rubbing alcohol. Yeah, that poor guy had no chance. Charles and Munn both pled guilty to first-degree murder in exchange for serving as key prosecution witnesses. Charles was sentenced to a California Youth Authority facility where he was released when he was 25. And King was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Robert Chan was given his own trial. He said that he was not the mastermind behind killing Stewart and that he believed that Stewart put explosives in his home and was going to kill him. A juror who spoke anonymously said, there was no doubt that Robert was the mastermind. He tried to lie and blame others for it. 
But if there was no Robert Chan, Stuart Tay would still be here today. On Tuesday, May 3rd, 1994, Robert Chan was convicted of first degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Wow. So he got life and the other guys got 25 years. Well, Robert was the one who. Like the mastermind. He was the mastermind. He was also the one that hit him over a dozen times in the back of the head and forced him to drink the alcohol. So he definitely deserved it. The worst of the group. Kern Young Kim and Abraham Acosta were convicted of first degree murder as well. Like Charles, Abraham was sent to a youth facility where he was released when he turned 25, which I understand he was 16, but he was the one that did initiate the first hit. So I feel like, yeah, contribute to his murder. And so to get out at 25 seems kind of lenient. And at 16, like you are completely capable of knowing right from wrong. Oh, we're going to get back to that. Oh, perfect. (laughs) But anyhow, there was a lot of back and forth with Abraham because many weren't sure he was fit to be tried as an adult due to his mental capacity. And he was actually illiterate. He was in special education classes, and therefore, it was thought that he was manipulated by the others to help commit the crime. He was the youngest, though, so in the end, he was sentenced to a youth facility. And Kern was sentenced to 25 years in prison. He was granted parole in December 2012. And speaking of the whole, you know, right from wrong when you're 16 and whatnot, yeah, he was 36 at the time of his release. And... He's the only one that I could really find any current information on. He he was the least involved in this case. He was the lookout. He was outside in his car. But like you said, you would think, you know, right from wrong, you know, somebody is in the house getting murdered, right? Yeah. But he believes he was unfairly punished considering he wasn't an active participant. So he now educates people on the criminal justice issues in California And in 2020, California passed a bill that stopped prosecuting 14 and 15 year olds as adults. He believes that juvenile brains aren't fully developed, preventing them from making adult judgments. And like, I get where he's coming from, maybe in his instance where it's like, okay, you're outside, you don't know the gravity of the situation, but to say other 16 year olds can't make smart decisions i mean the guy abraham who hit him in the head was 16 i think you should be charged as an adult if you're going to partake in killing somebody no i completely agree i understand like maybe 10 year olds not being able to understand the capacity of right and wrong but at 16 15 i think you are more aware of right and wrong especially these guys weren't dumb by any means. They were going to, from what I read, most of them were on the path to elite and Ivy League universities. And most of them were on the path to become doctors. Yeah. So you're smart. You're smart enough to get into Princeton. You should be smart enough to know not to kill somebody. That's a very valid point. Lastly, in 1995, Stewart's parents were awarded $1 million from the four killers while they reached a $100,000 settlement from the fifth. And it looks like that was just sort of a 
wrongful death suit that they got money from. And honestly, I feel like that's not enough money considering what they did to their kid. Yeah. I don't think there's any amount of money that could justify any of this. And that's the story of Stuart Tay. Wait, so what exactly was the motive? Because he lied about his name? Yeah. So that was part of the trial that they couldn't really find any real motive other than he lied and they were scared that they were all going to get snitched on that they had a plan to rob somebody but the robbery never took place so it's like all hypotheticals like it's a hypothetical robbery and like none of this ever happened and they were just scared that he could possibly tell on them okay and so they killed him that's so sad This whole entire case just seems like it was totally avoidable. Yeah. And being in the early 90s, there was no social media. They went to two different high schools. The only you could ghost people by just not answering your house phone. They could have just not talked to him anymore. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't ghosting somebody be a lot easier than just burying them in your backyard? I mean, one would think. One would think, but... They didn't even run in the same circles and it didn't look like they had any mutual friends. So it was honestly as simple as if you were so scared he was going to rat you out, just stop talking to him. Yeah, that tries to rat you out. Well, just deny ever plotting something because nothing ever happened. There was no robbery. Yeah, that seems like a much easier option. And also, like, I know they were all in Fullerton or in nearby cities, but Orange County's huge. You probably could have avoided seeing each other for a very long time. They both went to Fullerton high schools, but separate schools. And also they were about to graduate. They were about to go to college. They would have never seen each other again. No, for real. It's been like 14 years since I've graduated high school. And there are a number of people I have not seen in those 14 years. Exactly. And imagine someone you had met just briefly your senior year. Yep. would have forgot about them exactly yeah this just seems like it totally could have been avoided by a simple don't answer the phone definitely i don't know if you've ever seen the movie better luck tomorrow but it was loosely based on stewart's murder the director actually said that he had tracked the Tay's incident in newspapers. The film is described to be a work of fiction, though, that pulls from multiple influences, and one of them being Stewart's murder. No, I've actually never seen it, but as you were describing the case and what they chose to do after and celebrate the new year, it reminded me of some sort of like Hollywood film. It almost reminded me of the Menendez brothers who, like, after murdering their parents, was were seen at the basketball game just sitting courtside and I'm yeah, like I feel nope. like so many well I feel like a lot of these cases that we talk about it's like okay I'm gonna go kill somebody and then I'm gonna go cook a Thanksgiving dinner or whatever it's like seriously though like okay super casual <laughs> right just like another day um so now I kind of want to watch that movie because I want to see if how similar it is Yeah, I'm going to look it up really quick. Better luck tomorrow. It looks like you can stream it on Amazon Prime for $3.79 or Pluto TV. I don't have Pluto TV, though. 
Neither do I. But I might have to check this out. Thank you so much for bringing us a New Year's Eve case and bringing in the new year. Woohoo. New year. New me. New us. Not really. (laughs) Still same us, but (laughs) same us. us. We're so excited for the new year. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at psychosis underscore podcast. Also send us an email at the psychosis podcast at gmail.com. Let us know of any California cases you would like us to cover in 2024 and we will take a look at them. Thank you so much for listening and coming down this rabbit hole with us. Stay safe this New Year's Day and see you next time. Bye. Bye.